This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show. Joining you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you as always, everybody, for tuning in. It is very much appreciated and I have weddings of good news and joy for you today because I can tell you that the international break is over. Yes, it is indeed. Finished, complete, kaput for another month. And then there's, you know, it comes back in October. But, you know, the less said about that, the better. Let's be honest. The less said about the fact that we've only got a last, you know, about a month before the next one rolls around, we don't need to discuss it. I know that I've discussed it now and I may have even repeated it now, but it's not going to be repeated again from this point forwards, except in all of the international news that I've got to cover during the first part of this show. Ignore. Basically everything I've already said. Uh, but good morning to those joining us in the chat box. Very much appreciate your time. Uh, let's jump in and see who's with us. Black Shine says no negativity today. <laughs> yeah. uh, Clock Orange, good morning to you. Kaiser, Wesley, Stephen, Phil, Ponaru, uh, good to see you back. Uh, Peeny Ween, Gruntley Poos, Sweating Merlot, Matt G, Vivian, Tony. Uh, good morning to Nav, good morning to Wendy, good morning to all of you. Uh, thank you ever so much, everybody, for tuning in. It is appreciated, and uh, I hope that you will indeed drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new uh, to the channel as well. Thank you to everyone who's leaving comments on the videos throughout the week. I love responding to as many of them as I can, so if you are uh, are sparked into any kind of imaginative thoughts by anything discussed in today's show, leave a comment down in the comment section on YouTube if you're listening on Spotify or Amazon or iTunes or wherever, and you can leave a comment over on YouTube. Feel free to hop over and do that. Um, so, yes, very much looking forward to it. Um, and also, if you're on iTunes and you can leave us a review, we'd appreciate it. So uh, let's continue forward, shall we, and have a look at today's stories. It would help if I had the slideshow ready. There we go. Yes, I do. Um, Trossard scores what is quite an incredible um goal for uh, for Belgium yesterday an absolutely brilliant strike took on the ball moved and shifted to the right hand side and smashed 
a strike across the Estonian goalkeeper in Belgium's 5-0 win. Uh, what a brilliant, brilliant goal. What an opportunity, of course, for Trossard to continue to start to get minutes. We know that he needs to get them um, for Arsenal. We need, to know, we need to know that he needs to get into positions where it's going to ultimately help us. Uh, Carl Hein was the uh, the goalkeeper for Estonia. It's worth pointing out. The uh, Arsenal goalkeeper who's been playing in training with Trossard plenty, but could not do a thing about the strike that Trossard managed to uh, unleash upon the goal as well. So a massive, massive um, big boost, I think, in, in his confidence and uh, certainly one which I will be living on for the next week in debates about whether or not Trossard should be getting more minutes or not. Highlighted perfectly in that moment. Martin Odegaard also scored for Norway in their victory. Uh, him and Erling Haaland on the score sheet, but it was probably the run and the... Uh, kind of the way in which he moved and swiveled throughout the players of Noosa, the Norwegian Neymar, as he's being described right now. Um, Odegaard's then getting on the end and finishing in, in classic Odegaard fashion with his left foot across the goal and, uh, yeah, doing really, really well. And then he came out and spoke after the game, in fact, and he talked and was asked about his contract situation at Arsenal, in which he very quickly and very calmly and subtly said, I don't have much to say, except that I'm very happy at Arsenal and I hope I can stay for a long time. And I think that tells you anything that we've already known. And I've certainly reported that Martin Odegaard's very happy at Arsenal. Arsenal are very happy with Martin Odegaard. And those talks regarding the uh, the contract are progressing in a really positive fashion. So hopefully before the end of maybe even this year, we get an update on Odegaard's contract and uh, he will be extending with the club into the foreseeable future. You know, for a player that was so hyped up at the age of, you know, in his teenage years, to be where he is at now as a player, to see where he's come is hugely down to what has happened to Arsenal, the stability that the club has brought him and the ability that he's been improved with, with under the, you know, the uh, tutelage of Mikel Arteta. Absolutely unbelievably good for us and I can't wait for that deal to be signed. I wrote a piece the other day talking about and reflecting upon kind of the abuse that I got when I wrote a piece back in 2021 uh, which talked about kind of how I felt that Ozil you know was sadly never going to be the player that Arteta needed in that role for all of Ozil's brilliant qualities he just wasn't the attacking midfielder for Arteta's system and style and Odegaard's with his running, his pressing um, and the way in which he delivers Arteta's philosophy on the field was always going to be a much better fit um, for uh, for Arteta. And I got a hell of a lot of stick for writing that article back in 2021. I look back on it now, two years later, with just a little bit of smugness, uh, of course, but also uh, kind of... You know, being emboldened in the knowledge, I was right to stick by my guns with Odegaard and uh, very happy that he has proven that point true. Uh, Saka and Tinny faced off. Thankfully, Saka didn't start the game for England against Scotland last night. He came on towards the end of the game um, and Kieran Tinney did indeed start the match. And what was a competitive fixture between England and Scotland? England coming out winners in the end, thanks to what was an amazing performance once again from Drew Bellingham, who is, you know, as, as an English guy, you know, as an England fan during tournaments, I'm less enthused about friendlies and and uh, and kind of the, the qualifiers and Nations League and stuff. I can't really get up for those, but I love, you know, the, the summer tournament. I love the World Cups. I love the Euros. And I love getting together with friends and, and watching those tournaments together. Um, to see a player like Drew Bellingham alongside our very own Bakaya Saka, 
you know, the talent that this England squad has got, that fills me with so much, uh, you know, optimism about what England can achieve in in upcoming tournaments. But sadly, um, there is one man that stands in the way, in my opinion, of that happening, and that is the manager, Gareth Southgate, who sadly ignored Eddie Nketiah uh, across those two games. I was filled with so much joy when it was announced that Eddie had been called up to the squad. And I'm sure if you asked Eddie what his thoughts are, he would say something along the lines of, you know, it's great to be part of the squad. It's just great to be called up. It's a really good experience for me. You get that kind of, you know, the uh, the party line, if you like. But uh, in inside, I would not be surprised to see um, Eddie Nketiah is really frustrated. I mean, the point of Eddie Nketiah being called up by Southgate in the first place was... Um, the whole point of it was like the whole thing about we want to see what he's capable of. We want to see him. We want to see what he can offer us. Callum Wilson comes on in a friendly against Scotland when you're 3-1 up. You know what Callum Wilson gives you. You know what he's all about. He's a good player. I like Callum Wilson. He's going to get opportunities. He's probably going to get into the squad next time around, even though he's you know only been on the, the, the subs bench this season for Newcastle, whereas Eddie Nketi has been starting games and scoring and assisting for Arsenal. Um, what are you gaining from using... Callum Wilson in those minutes instead of Eddie and Ketia, it makes absolutely zero sense to me. And it's just another another kind of nail in the coffin for me of, of, of Gareth Southgate's tenure as, as England boss. And I just cannot fathom some of the decisions that he makes. I respect the defence that he brought to Harry Maguire after the game, you know, because Harry Maguire is a player that, you know, continues to face incredible scrutiny and stick and abuse, which isn't okay. Criticism for sure. But I have criticisms of calling Maguire up and putting him into this situation in the first place. He's not in a good place, Harry Maguire. He's not in good form. He is the target of almost every fan in England, even from his own supporters, the majority of who, you know, really are targeting him as well. Surely the best thing to do for the player is to protect him. And I don't think throwing him into an England versus Scotland game, which is always very um, frenetic and emotionally charged from a crowd perspective... That was never going to be the right decision to do for a player like Harry Maguire in that moment. And I just think the decision-making of, of Gareth Southgate has completely undermined so far this um, this England team um, and it's restricting the potential that it has. And I just hope that probably what will happen is after the European Championships uh, that Southgate will step down and England will get a better coach, be that an Eddie Howe, be that Graham Potter, be that just somebody else that can add a lot better coaching ability and decision making um into that national side so yeah let's let's see what ends up happening uh now uh, in other games uh Kai Havertz uh got an assist in his game for Germany against France in what was a really important moment uh, for the player. He didn't start the game. He was dropped um, in the absence of uh, Hansi Flick, who was, of course, relieved of his duties. And I predicted that we might see Havertz drop to the bench after the absence of Flick, who put a lot of faith in Havertz. And Havertz actually posted to social media a, a picture of, of Hansi Flick thanking him for his time in the German national side. But he came off the bench and he assisted Leroy Sané but there is a problem, and the problem is is where he gets the assist. The assist comes from him playing this inside right attacking midfield role with Sane running onto it on the right wing, getting in behind William Saliba, of course, who was playing in the back line and started for France, and a brilliant finish as well. And for me, 
the issue here is that Kai Havertz's best performances in his career came playing on the right-hand side of an attacking midfield pair with Julian Brandt for Bayer Leverkusen being on the left of that midfield attacking pair. And I have a, have a worry that Kai Havertz's best position is this right-sided attacking midfield role. And that position, of course, at Arsenal is occupied by Martin Odegaard. And so, therefore, it's very unlikely that Kai Havertz is ever going to play in that right attacking midfield position where I think he is probably going to be the most impactful in games. That was highlighted here. It was highlighted during his time at Bayer Leverkusen. And he rarely played that position for Chelsea uh, during his time there and hasn't played that position for Arsenal. And so I just think that there is something to be said about where that assist came from and, you know, a concern for me that that is probably his best position as proven by his time with the German national side here and, of course, with his time at Bayer Leverkusen. Um, but that the, the assist where it came from, no matter where he came on and played in the team, where the assist came from is what you need to focus on, not where he came on to play, but where the assist was positioned, that uh, area of the field where he got the assist for, for Sane. Yeah, I, I just worry. Maybe if he plays in that centre-forward position and he drops deep and he comes inside and plays those passes, maybe that's where we can see him utilised in the best possible role. But I do think that the best positions you see Havertz take up are on the right-hand side of an attacking midfield position, which he does occupy if he plays centre-forward, yes. But I just feel that there's something there that uh, maybe we could utilise in rotation with Odegaard. Maybe we can use that in certain games. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's what I do think is is the the slight concern I have about that, despite it being absolutely fantastic seeing him get that assist. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing if this has an impact on his confidence, on uh, his attitude. Not attitude, that's the wrong word. It's certainly his confidence is um, the momentum, I suppose, the momentum that he has. So yes, let's let's see if indeed it does have an impact. Fingers crossed that indeed it does. Right, let's move to part two and your questions then right after this. Okay, uh, MM says, didn't he play on the right, Havertz, at Chelsea? Yeah, but it was more so like as a right wide forward at times rather than the right attacking midfield role. I know he played like maybe a couple of games, but it was more so as kind of that right attacking uh, wide forward position rather than with somebody ahead of him in like a right wing role uh, in the German side, whereas it was more so someone behind him uh, in the situation with... Uh, with Chelsea, so it was difficult and different to what we've seen. Uh, by Leverkusen, uh, A1 says, any news on Partey? No, no. Uh, there is no updates on Partey at the moment. Uh, Peck says, I, th- I think Odegaard could even play on the left with Havertz on the right. Maybe that's a way forwards. Of course, Odegaard did score for Norway yesterday, playing and scoring in that left attacking midfield position, given freedom, of course, in that number 10 role. So, Let's yeah, let's let's wait and see if 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 that happens and if we can see Odegaard play left and and Kai right, maybe that's something to to consider. But that would break up the partnership that Odegaard has with Saka, so there is something to consider there. Um, Morgie, thank you for joining us in the chat box. Says uh, Tom, you discussed evidence based arguments. Not always not always easy as passion for Arsenal doesn't have a number. Uh, E.g., I genuinely hate seeing players I have loved being leapfrogged like Smith Rowe. Sorry that it's uh, in two posts. Um, I, I understand what you're saying. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, Morgie, I think the evidence-based arguments is more so to do with the criticisms in some cases of people that are doing really, really well. So like uh, we talked yesterday about evidence-based arguments when we had like an Arteta critic talking to us in the chat box who then, you know, disappeared because they never t- <laughs> take up the offer to come on the show. Um, but in regards to kind of uh, like the players that we've really enjoyed, like Smith Rowe, then not getting enough minutes, it's difficult to have an evidence-based argument to bring them back into the team because the player that's ahead of him, be that, you know, uh, Odegaard, if he's going to play the 10 role, or Martinelli, if he's playing the left uh, midfield role, are doing very, very well. The only player that we have to suggest, of course, is uh, is, is Kai Havertz and him playing in that left attacking midfield role. Could Smith Rowe play there? Certainly, I think he could. Um, so there's something to be said about that. Um, but Morgan continues by saying, I get the numbers say standing still is going backwards, but I hate seeing my boys sidelined. If you take passion out, you end up with a stats game like NFL. Um, happy to discuss wherever invited. I, I think I, I, I'm str- I think maybe Morgan, you've misunderstood like what I'm talking about regarding kind of the the whole evidence based arguments because the Smith Rowe thing, like I'm not sure, is something that necessarily we need like a, a stats based argument to discuss Smith Rowe because I agree Smith Rowe should be getting more opportunities. And I don't think that's down to statistics. I think that's down to seeing that Kai Havertz has struggled, seeing that Smith Rowe isn't being given enough minutes. And so I'm not sure that necessarily like an evidence-based argument is needed for something like that. But certainly evidence is needed a lot in other different types of debates. I think, you know, it's the application, the timing of the application of evidence when and where it is indeed needed. Jason says, Tom, do you have any training ground visits coming up? I'm hoping so, Jason. Yeah, um, because with European football comes the opportunity for open training sessions. Uh, I usually attend those when uh, Arsenal are playing away from home. And uh, what's different this year is obviously last year when I was at the training ground for some of the training sessions was that we played on a Thursday. So usually there was an open training session on the on the Wednesday. Um but with us now playing either Tuesday or Wednesday in the Champions League, I don't know when, if they are going to take place, those open training sessions will happen. Um, so I'm hoping so, yes. Um, but we'll have to wait and see if indeed that does uh, arise as an opportunity. But I'm hoping to be at the training ground at some point. Yes, mate. Uh, Clock Orange says, Tom, would you take Odegaard at left centre mid as his goal came from a similar position for Norway yesterday? And it will also help Martinelli to be better than he is now. Um, yeah, I think we, we kind of touched upon that, didn't we? Maybe that's something we could try. And so we could use Havertz on the right, Odegaard on the left of those attacking midfield roles. Maybe that's something that we could 
trying a certain game in maybe a Champions League group stage game or the Carabao Cup if we wanted to try something different or against a lower uh, down the table side and, and try it. But I think Havertz's best role for me is is more so on the right than the left. Um, and let's see if that's something that we ever see used. Uh, John says, when we play Brentford, we should try the backups. Havertz for me, um, Havertz for Odegaard, Raya for Ramsdale, Eddie for Jesus, Vieira starting, Nelson for Martinelli, Tommy at the back, still want to play Cedric, still wanting to play Cedric. Um, I think that certainly the, the, the Brentford game is a game where you have to go semi-strong if you want to progress. I know a lot of people want us to progress. And I agree with that. I think that you can mix and match some you know, starters. I think one of Saliba and Gabriel should play. One of the starting fullbacks should probably play, maybe Zinchenko. But, you know, he's had his injury issues, so maybe do you rest him and you start Kivior at left-back? Um, or do you start Kivior in place of Gabriel and then start Tommy Asu at left-back and then bring Ben White still at right-back? Um, Raya should absolutely come in. I think Jorginho should get a chance, but I think Jorginho should probably maybe play with Rice um, and use those two in midfield and then use Havertz as maybe an attacking midfielder or probably Smith-Rowe as an attacking midfielder, then Nelson, then Eddie and uh, somebody else, maybe still Saka in the team, but people like wanting to rest Saka, so I can understand that. But there's lots of options. We've got options, and I think that we should try and mix and match starters with um, with rotational figures. I don't think it should be an entire rotation. I think we should be measured in some of that. Like the Champions League, you make one, two, three at max tweaks from your starting eleven for the Champions League. So you want to keep that momentum going and the strength in the team, but that's what's that's what's happening. Ray says, Tom, are rumours about Timber being ready earlier than expected real? Uh, I don't know where you've seen those, Razor, but certainly at this stage, it's impossible to, to, to know that. You know, he still was on crutches last week. It's not realistic to have an expectation that he will return earlier than usual. He got injured in August. ACLs have a, a seven to nine month return period. And so the expectation is the earliest we would ever see him back on like, you know, uh, in a squad, in first team training even, is March. Like the earliest I expect to see Timber back in training, um, I mean, full contact training is is probably March. It's the, at the absolute earliest. You know, we could see a miraculous recovery, but we wouldn't know in September, you know, weeks after it's happened, um, if he's going to be back in time, you will find those things out far, far, far down the line. Um, so sorry, any anything suggesting that we might get him back early, as a like earlier than the seven to nine month timeline that we were given, I, I have to assume that those are guesses and inaccurate and probably just chasing some attention because I just don't see how you can have a judgment on that return period at this stage of the recovery. It's, it's nearly impossible to to do that. Maximir says, those inclusions of Lino Sosa and Cedric look more like filling up the numbers of 25 than actual potential first teamers. What I would say, Maximir, is obviously, you know, they are because Timber got injured and so Cedric replaces Timber in the group, whereas Timber would have been in there and registered. The reason why Lino Sosa is in there is because he can't be included on the B list of um, Champions League because he was born uh, in Portugal. He's not homegrown and he's not been at the club longer than two years so he has to go onto the a-list if he's going to be included in the squad but you know every senior player we have is is there you know is is in that group there isn't a senior player as far as i'm aware that's been left out besides yuri and timber so you know um we moved on one two three four players on deadline day and beyond in pepe tavares holding and laconga so you know 
sadly, we might be filling up the squad of 25. But at the same time, you have to remember that we couldn't bring anybody in because we didn't move players on until it was far, far too late, which was sadly out of the club's control. Uh, Lynn says, Tom Smithrow, in my opinion, has to prove to the manager that he is better than what we have. And that is what uh, the expectation is all about. And I do think that, obviously, I'd love to see Smithrow get more minutes, but you have to respect this view from Lynn. You have to prove it. You have to be able to show why you should be. But also, you have to be given the opportunity, Lynn, to be able to do that. And so far, I would say that Smithrow is not necessarily being given that opportunity. He's not played a single minute, I don't think, this season for Arsenal. And I don't think that's fair. I do think he should be being given at least some minutes um, at this moment in time. Um, Let's go to Ian says, with the stats that are usually thrown around, I have some issues with them, e.g. how many line-breaking passes a midfield has made. But success of that depends on the synchronicity with players' runs and those players coming short as well. I think, obviously, stats can give you a lot of indications about intentions. So, like, if you look at line-breaking passes or passes into the final third or passes into the box and you compare a player that plays more passes into the box than somebody else or has a greater accuracy of those passes into the box than somebody else, yes, you have to take into account the teammates that they have and, you know, how smart those teammates are. But it's the intention that we're looking at, really, that the... How direct a player is? Are they running into the box more than they're passing into the box? So like when we look to Odegaard's statistics, he's got a great amount of passes into the box frequency. If you look at a player like Xavi Simmons, he's a player that likes to be on the ball more and drive into the box more so. And Smith Rowe, I think he's also in that category too. So yeah, it's, it's certainly something to be said about what stats tell you. They're more to do with indicators. You know, stats are about indication and trends and patterns um, and comparisons. They're not conclusive always, but they're certainly very indicative um, and they can be very supportive of points of view. I, I find it hard to reject statistics. You know, statistics are there to inform. They're not always, as I say, conclusive, but to reject them out of hand is, is often, I feel, a little bit ignorant and naive. I often see it when, you know, stats don't necessarily align with a really passionate argument somebody has. If there's no numbers to back it up, they'll be like, well, I have the eye test. I'm like, yes, that's fine. The eye test can be used. But also, it's worth pointing out that our eyes see through our own lenses of what we're looking at, of what we can see. Statistics provide you everything. You know, statistics tell you the things that you can't see always. And yes, you can use those statistics in certain ways to back up certain points if you want to pick and choose the stats you want to use but that's why when I try and look at statistics I try and use a broad range of those rather than just one or two like if you remember back to the game um, if you remember back to after the Fulham game and I was in the Cotswolds and I was away and we did the statistics looking at Thomas Partey's improvement and what he was doing we looked at kind of the defensive side of his game we looked at the passing side of his game we looked at um, the different aspects of passing like final third passing to the box passes in general uh, the defensive duels that he'd won the pressures like we looked at a lot of things to do with Partey and all of those metrics were improving even though he was playing in a position that a lot of people were complaining about so those were statistics that weren't you know cherry picked that's a lot of different metrics that all improved from him playing in that position. And the same thing with Arsenal. You know, we looked at the XG. We looked at the number of chances we were creating. We looked at the number of times an attacking situation led to a shot. We looked at uh, the pressures, how well we were pressuring other sides. Uh, and I think we looked at a few more as well. And again, all of those statistics had improved in the system this year compared to last year's average. Yes, we had a very small sample size of just three games compared to the average of across all of last season's Premier League games. But the indication is there that the system was 
and, and I still feel this season is Arsenal have been a bit of a coiled spring in the sense that there is a lot of indications telling us that this team is going in a really positive direction. They're picking up points while they're kind of grinding out results right now, but that when things start to click, it's going to explode in a really exciting way. It's also worth pointing out that even though we drop points against Fulham, if Arsenal were to go away to Everton and win, which is a big ask because we've not done that since 2017, and if we were to beat Spurs in the North London derby at home, which is a game that we have got a really good record in, then we would be in more points after six games than we were after six games at the start of last season. So just to highlight that again, if we win our next two games, Arsenal will have more points after six games than they had after six games in last season, where they, of course, had an amazing start to the campaign, but they did lose at Old Trafford, um, and Arsenal would be, still be unbeaten by this point as well. So it's worth taking that into account. But we've got two really tricky games now. Everton away, you know, no matter how bad we think Everton are, there is something about a game and a certain something about a team facing a certain other side that they have an issue with that, that becomes a bit of a banana skin. And, and Everton away has always been a problem for Arsenal. Now, I, for me, think it's to do with the set pieces, to do with the aerial ability of Everton and the problems that they cause Arsenal fit a little bit like the perfect key into a keyhole to unlock Arsenal's deficiencies. And we've got to find a way of trying to, ta- to you know, to, to, to tackle that and hopefully... We'll see that. I will be going to Everton. I've had that confirmed. So I'm looking forward to getting up to Liverpool on Sunday and excited to be there. So you'll get a 8am show Monday morning from Merseyside because uh, I'll be staying over in the city. Never stayed in Liverpool before. So it's a first one for me. Uh, Ian says the data analysis the team uses for recruitments are more detailed and would have loved to see the research papers and the algorithms that is behind player selection, but I doubt they are published into the public domain. No, they're not. The, the club pay a lot of money to the statistics uh, and anal- anal- uh, analytics companies that they use to help recruit players, and they wouldn't be releasing those secrets, that's for sure. Uh, Jesus's left leg says, Tom, do you think Timber will be the same player once he returns from injury? I'm unsure that the record the players have coming back from an ACL. And the honest answer is, I have absolutely no idea. There is no way of knowing. Some players come back really, really well. Some players don't. I remember both Callum Chambers and Holding are remembered at Arsenal for being, to be honest, you know, a little bit underwhelming as players. But for those that remember their time at Arsenal before their ACL injuries, or remember that they were in some really good form for Arsenal and really impressing before those ACL injuries. Um, and so it's amazing how different kind of things can be. Uh, anyway, that brings us to the end of today's show. Uh, thank you so much, for tuning in and uh, for listening. Uh, Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Have a fantastic day. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, Wednesday, soon you get through that, it's Thursday and it's happy days indeed. But thank you to everybody that's continued to tune into the show uh, and who is continuing to show support. It means the absolute world. Uh, I will see you all uh, a little bit later on this morning on the Arsenal Way. And then maybe tonight, but most likely tomorrow morning as well. Have a great day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.